0: This is a load of crap, I thought. In the rain, it's one more thing.
1: Armstrong and Getty. One more thing.
0: So I've been on this poetry kick for like an entire ten days. Um, and we talked about a particular poem yesterday, and I wanted to get into the dis- dissecting it, uh, reading a little of the dissection of this poet poem by Smarty Pants, because I think you'll find this pretty entertaining. Okay. So I'll read the poem one uh, again, because it's very short. It's one of the most famous poems in the history of the English language. I'll be damned. It was written in the 1920s, I think, but I just had Googled, because like I said, I'm into poetry right now, just Googled famous poems, and this is the most famous poem of the last, I think, 25 years. It's been in more poetry anthologies than any other in the last
1: Hmm. quarter century. And it's all about the pauses, right? Their
0: their entire college class is written about the red wheelbarrow. This is a very short poem. A red wheelbarrow glazed with rain water beside the white chickens. That's the whole thing. Uh, Yeah. What? One of the greatest poems (laughs) ever written. Did my headphones cut out there? (laughs) No, that was it. And... uh, I'll just read a little bit of the, the, the analysis. Okay. Which is just...
1: The red wheelbarrow symbolizes red wheelbarrows.
0: I could jump into any part of this analysis. It's all just a load of crap as far as I can tell. With four stanzas, the poem describes in great detail, not just a wheelbarrow, but a whole scene, a moment stuck in time. The form of the poem accomplishes this by using the strange breakpoints to emphasize certain words. The first stanza... So much depends upon, illustrates this by making the reader's eye and mind just hang off the word depends. The gravity of the situation draws the reader in despite not even knowing, unless one infers from the title, what so much depends on. The verb depends throws the reader off the cliff of so much, and the speaker... Ah!
2: I don't and, like to be thrown off of things when I'm reading. And the
0: speaker just offers us the shaky root of a pawn on which we are expected to climb back up to reality.
1: How the hell am I going to climb back upon a pawn?
0: But of course we do so on his terms. Agitated, the reader then looks down to see for what he or she has been thrown into oblivion. A red wheelbarrow. Huh? No, a red wheelbarrow. The abrupt disjuncture (laughs) of the phrase deconstructs the word, forcing the mind to reconsider a kindergarten-level word, such as wheelbarrow, and give it more importance. It goes on and on like this for like a book-length article. The brevity of the phrase glazed with rain not only highlights the word glazed...
2: I prefer glazed with sugar.
0: ...which does a huge amount of work for the speaker, but it also introduces the interlinear rhyme... It's funny. My eyes are glazed right now. Go on. I know. And then (laughs) it gets into this. And then it gets into this long
2: thing about agriculture and a way of life, and so it's a time capsule. It's a time machine, Jack. It takes us back into the moment. No. See, here's what I don't like: when people are writing about other writing. And they use their review of writing to try to show you how good of a writer they are. Right. If you want to show me how good of a writer you are, submit something to be reviewed. Don't sneak it into (laughs) a review that you are doing about something else. Rant over.
0: Yeah. 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 There is a lot of that in in critiques, but let me read the whole poem for you again, just in case you're like (coughs) thinking, did I miss something? Do we have time for that? Here's the whole thing. Do it with the pauses, though. I'll do the pauses.
1: Daddy, do it with the pauses.
0: (laughs) A red wheel barrow, glazed with rain, water, beside the white chickens. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Are so, you fucking kidding
1: me? <laughs> <laughs> Probably ought to bleep that, Hanson. Um.
0: <laughs> I, so I, I, honest to God, because I'm trying to be better than us. I'm, I'm trying to be a better version of me. I'm really trying to do, but, but I can't... No, that's good. I, I encourage that. I can't tell if I'm being jerked around here or if I'm just too dumb. I almost gave up on my poetry kick yesterday. I thought, you know what, I clearly am just not cut out for this. I mean, there's other stuff I like, but, like, there are so many YouTube videos with people describing what's going on there. Books have been written. There are college classes dedicated to this. And I just think I'm clearly not smart enough. I'm
1: just yeah. not... Or, or you're too down to earth. I once read a review of one of my favorite albums of all time, definitely in my top ten. I'm not going to mention it because it would just be a distraction. But it's an incredible work of art, in my the opinion.
0: F- first or second Partridge Family album?
1: Uh, no, no, it's a Lover Boy's debut album. Uh, anyway, the red leather, it's just, it's so appealing to me. No, but this album is, is beloved. It's not very well known, but the, the people who know it worship it. And this reviewer accused fans of fetishizing it trying to make it more than it is. Mm. I mean, it's a damn solid album. The songs are intriguing. The lyrics are wacky. It's it's down to earth in kind of a cool way. But come on, people. Quit with your worshipfulness. That, see, that, the, that poem, and I fully understand maybe I'm too much of a dope to get it, but... To me, that's just an an enormous fetishization of something. It's a nice little poem. It's, it's fine, but I, it's not all that crap that it claimed to be. And then once something does reach
0: critical acclaim, how much of it is, well, of course I get it. This is a highly... Emperor's New Clothes. Yeah, this yeah. is a highly respected poem. Of course, I get
1: it. Oh, you don't get it? I mean, isn't there a certain amount of that that goes on? Absolutely, yeah. Emperor's New Clothes combined with fetishizing something and, and uh, racing to be the most eloquent and wordy praiser of it. this It's it's a subculture thing. It's like, you know, as a rock and roll guy, I became aware of uh, East Coast peace people, New York people in particular, fetishized the Ramones just about how incredibly important they were and vital and how Stupid Midwestern rock was compared to about how, compared to how cool the Ramones were in CBGB and everything. It's like you people are full of crap. There are little rock clubs all over America where bands are, are are digging in. They're playing their own wacky version of what rock and roll is, and some of them are good, some of them are better, some of them are pretty unique. And the Ramones were pretty unique and pretty cool, but because they're New York, they just it just becomes masturbation. I don't know. The
0: final stanza completes the picture. Beside the white chickens implies a rural setting. The presence of life because they're
1: friggin' chickens. We got that.
0: (laughs) The presence of life. And finally, the encapsulation of the image inside itself. The first line contains the rhyme and the levity of the situation. The words themselves complete the physical idea. The chickens, which hid during the storm, return upon
1: seeing the light, which illuminates the wheelbarrow. See, my problem with all of this, back to the fetishizing thing, is you could write something almost exactly the same as that about Hickory Dickory Doc the mouse ran up the clock. Oh, okay. That version. Um, if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to, you could do 10,000 words on, on how it echoes the aspirations of us all, even while encapsulating the, the outcast feel of the rodent, natural to the earth, yet, yet forbidden from the home. And aren't we all echoing the mouse's alienation in our search for meaning? Bullshit!
0: You know what it's reminding me of? It's reminding me of the James Lindsay stuff where they made up the fake papers. To, oh, and yeah. submitted him because you could do that with the Hickory Dickory Duck. The smallness of a mouse compared to the largeness of time—the contrast is striking. You know that sort of crap, or the humble tell woodland me that, creature. Tell me that that's not any different than what I just read,
1: what I just said about the smallness of the mouse and the largeness of time. How is that different? Hell, I could give you three hundred and fifty words, of <laughs> to hell, three thousand five hundred words on the mouse, the natural world. Juxtap- juxtaposed with the mechanical monster that is the clock. Indeed, man's very construct of artificial time and how it butts up against the natural world and insists on its own dominance. And time, which comes for us all. And...
0: The irony of running <laughs> up the clock while time moves at such a steady, slow pace.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's, you yeah.
0: Again, yeah, I like that. I like that analysis. And I think that happens a lot with like Bob Dylan lyrics. And I think Bob Dylan himself is like, God, you guys think too much. (laughs) It
2: sounded good. (laughs) And then at the
1: moment, the clock strikes one, one, the first number in which we escape zero, at that moment, the mouse chooses to run down back to the earth. Having heard the clarion call, the siren call of the mechanized world, the mouse rejects it and returns to the earth, its essence, hickory dickory dock.
0: Have you read that poem to your mom, Sean? (laughs) Because she's an artist, and I just wondered if maybe she would take it differently than I do.
2: Uh, I could try. I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll just, I'll see. I'd be She's a visual artist, so I don't know if, uh, you know, mm. I'm not sure how the... I don't know either. The art, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I am not artistic, so I have no idea how those things translate.
1: You know what, Sean, why don't you do that, and I'll read it to my dog. <laughs> and I'll see if Baxter barks. <laughs> the best commentary was,
0: you're effing kidding me. <laughs> well, I guess that's it.